0: And welcome back to the show. Joining us now, Alan Marcus, a professor at UConn with a scholarship and teaching focus on museum education with an emphasis on the Holocaust and teaching difficult history. He collaborates with museum educators across the United States and internationally. He is a faculty fellow for the Holocaust Institute for Teacher Educations at the United States Holocaust Memorial Museum. And he was quoted extensively in an article recently uh, written by Kayla Muchler, which was all about the relationship between social media, its impact and explosion, and the explosion of anti-Semitism, which Jonathan Greenblatt of the ADL reported to Congress, has exploded 388% over the year before, and 2022 saw the highest explosion year over year for 2021 in many, many decades. So here we are in the middle of a war in the Middle East with people marching, thousands pro, thousands con, whatever side that you're on, but uh, threats against the Jewish community absolutely exploding. I will tell you that one of the stories over the weekend we haven't covered yet is Vice President Kamala Harris, was um, asked to talk about this, and the statement that she made was how we have to fight Islamophobia. She was uh, absolutely destroyed on social media, of all places, uh, with people making fun of her and saying that that Jews represent 2.5% of the American population. Personally, I think that's a robust, optimistic number. I think it might even be less, but let's say 2.5% of the population of America is Jewish. Uh, Over 60%, 62% of all of the hate crimes in the United States are those against Jews. And so she was extraordinarily made fun of for focusing, saying that the White House had to focus on Islamophobia when actually she was asked to talk about all the incidents against the Jewish community, which particularly on college campuses is feeling quite vulnerable right now. So I asked Professor Marcus to come on. Alan Marcus, welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show. Hi.
1: Good morning. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, I'm I'm so glad that you're here. Now I can see in your extremely, um, extremely impressive CV that you have written and spoken so much about teaching about genocide and teaching about the Holocaust. Can you define, since the word genocide seems to be thrown around a lot, can you define genocide, Professor?
1: Sure. Um, genocide is. As uh, is widely defined, is the attempt to eradicate uh, a group of people uh, from society, um, and it may be based on race, uh, religion, uh, ethnicity, uh, or some other uh, some other form, part part of their identity. Uh, and it's it also can be uh, not just killing them, but trying to erase their uh, their culture and their cultural heritage.
0: So there's a lot of signs now that uh, Palestinian people that uh, say that they're pro-Palestinian, they are accusing Jews and Israelis of committing genocide on the Palestinian people. Is, is that historically or in any way currently accurate in your view, Professor?
1: Well, that that's... Um that's a very difficult question to answer and um, I think that uh, you know we, we don't have time to get into all the history of uh, of, of the Jews um, in Israel or of the Palestinians and I would say that um, both sides have uh, committed acts that um, violate human rights and um, you know I I don't think Israel is attempting to eradicate the Palestinian um people um in that sense um, but uh but certainly both sides have committed human rights violations and uh you know, that's it's it's not helping the perception of uh how people feel about what's going on right now in the Middle East
0: What's not helping the perception
1: Um when you have uh you know the majority of Palestinians are not represented by Hamas, um, and so Hamas's uh, horrific attack um, is. Uh, uh, I think people are too quick to blame all Muslims, um, which is obviously um, not accurate. Um, on the other hand, uh, you know the Israeli government doesn't represent all Israelis or even all Jews around the world, and so I think uh, uh, you know th- there's been uh, a lot of conflict uh, and a lot of. Uh, human rights violations on on both sides uh, so
0: well uh when you i'm curious, professor Marcus, when you say both sides are you equating Israel with Hamas the state of Israel with Hamas and you're no, equating course, human rights no. violations with the Hamas terrorist attack? I just want to be clear when you when you're saying both sides who the sides are
1: yeah so uh well and the, and the, the, it's not just Two sides, you know. It's it. Any of these situations like this are black and white, uh, and and um, you know this is not a movie where there's where there's a protagonist and antagonist. So there are uh, many different groups of Jews around the world who have different views and different beliefs, um, and just as there are many different uh, groups of Muslims that have different views and and different beliefs. So it's not that there's uh, just two sides. So you know, I'm not comparing. Uh, Israel's actions with uh, the terrorist attack from um, Hamas, um, but so for example, uh, the, 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 even the U.S. has called for, for a humanitarian pause. Let's get food and water uh, to people who are suffering in Gaza. Right, and Israel says, "No, we're not doing a humanitarian pause." So um, you know, it's it's. It, I'm not I'm not trying to place blame here. Um, but, uh, it's, it's very complicated.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. It it is complicated. And I do think that there is a lot of, um, oversimplification going on. I do think that, um, I'm, I'm interested specifically because you're somebody who has written and, um, thought so much about how, um, how the Holocaust, how Jewish people are portrayed, and you were quoted extensively on social media. Do you think that uh, social media has been, um, well, let me ask you what you think. Has social media been helpful to the cause of truth and history?
1: Absolutely not. Uh, I think social media is a huge problem uh, and part of that is, is around the spread of anti-Semitism. Part of that is around the, the anti-Israel sentiment, uh, much of it unjustified. Uh, but it's it's also beyond that. There, there's a reason why 41 states plus Washington D.C. are currently suing Meta right now. Um, and they, you know, in their words, they're saying that Meta is knowingly inducing young children and teenagers into addictive and compulsive compulsive social media use. There are lots of studies that talk about uh, young young girls and their, their body image and uh, the damage that's done by social media. And then, of course, there's the way that hate is spread on social media. I mean, so, social media gives extremist groups a way to spread their message they didn't used to have. It's a chance for them to recruit uh, new people, and it's largely unregulated. Um, and so, and this was this was a problem in terms of anti-Semitism in social media. This was a problem well before um, recent events in the Middle East. So we know that there's, there's been studies from the uh, the ADL and a number of other organizations uh, that show, uh, for example, uh, a 2022 report by the United Nations, 17% of TikTok content related to the Holocaust either denied or distorted it. That's almost one in five TikTok posts wow. that are saying the Holocaust didn't happen or um, wow. distorted it. Um, the same, It's one in five Twitter posts and 49% of the content on Telegram, which is not widely used in the U.S., but is widely used in Europe, was either denying or distorting um, the Holocaust. Um, so on an, an another study, um, looking specifically at TikTok, who, by the way, has over a billion users on TikTok around the world, between uh, February, May of 2020 and 2021, there was a 41% increase in anti-Semitic posts and a 912% increase in anti-Semitic comments. So this is all- Can't well keep up with it. Happened. Can't but keep up with can't? it. No. Yeah. And there was another, um, uh, there's a human rights group called the Institute for Strategic Dialogue they said after um, Elon Musk took over uh, Twitter, now called X, there was a doubling in anti-Semitic content. And, of course, since the uh, Hamas uh, terrorist attack on uh, October 7th, uh, there's been a huge increase in anti-Semitic rhetoric online as well as anti-Israel rhetoric. So what, what, I, what, um, what is interesting to me is if we think about how we protect our young people in society, particularly in the United States—
3: To get started, visit plushcare.com weightloss. That's plushcare.com weightloss.
1: We require seatbelts. We have age restrictions on smoking and alcohol and driving. We require teachers to be well-trained and certified. We have warning labels on clothes and plastic bags. We have ratings for films. We have songs that have words bleeped out when they're played on the radio. We have concussion training and background checks for sports coaches. But yet we have no guardrails on social media. And of all the things I just mentioned, I don't think kids are looking at their clothes checking for, for uh, you know, for tags or for, for formaldehyde, as you were talking about before. Right. But, but they are on social media all the time, mm-hmm. every day. And we know the algorithms on social media create a little bit of an echo chamber so that if you're starting to read about posts with anti-Semitic content, then you continue to get those posts.
0: Yes, uh, yes, that's true. So, That is true. Um, So so, yes, I
1: think social media is a huge problem. I think it's a problem for the 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 general mental health of our young people, uh, but it's also particularly a problem in the spread of anti-Semitic ideas and potentially inciting violence uh, against Jews and against um, other uh, other groups that are are not, you know, the majority of society.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, I always say Jews are the canary in the coal mine. You start with Jews, but it just keeps going. We're chatting with Professor Alan Marcus. Professor Marcus, are there other cultures, are there other countries that have guardrails? And if so, what are they?
1: Yeah, I I, I wouldn't say I'm an expert on that, so I couldn't name the exact guardrails. But there are other countries that are starting to restrict uh, social and young people. Uh, Now, some of those are authoritarian countries. So China uh, is one of them, for example um but there are other countries as well italy and india are also starting to restrict and again i, I don't know the ex, uh, exactly what it is in some cases it's an age restriction where below a certain age um they can't be on social media or they have to have parent permission to be on social media uh, but there are other countries that are starting to look at how do we how do we help young people sort of take back uh control over their over their own lives and, and over what they're seeing online I-
0: I saw that our own senator, Richard Blumenthal, is a co-sponsor with Joni Ernst, who the two of them, one being conservative and one being liberal, rarely agree on anything. But they agree, uh, and I know Chris Murphy also agrees, that they want to see parents have a lot more control over social media and have to opt in versus having to opt out if they're under 16, uh, as a professor, as someone who studied this, do you think it's a good idea in terms of public policy that we do that kind of thing in America?
1: I think uh, anytime parents have control over uh, what their young people are seeing and doing, I do think that's important. Um, there's a fine line between between censorship and uh, versus you know having some guardrails and protections. Uh, but certainly, uh, you know, if there's a parent that doesn't want their kid playing football because they're worried about head injuries, they don't let their kid play football. That's but right. we don't have the same kind of restrictions in social media where I don't want my kid potentially being exposed to uh, anti-Semitic rhetoric that they that they may come across um, or anti-Muslim rhetoric or anti-Asian rhetoric that we saw spiking during COVID. Yeah. Uh, and so how do you uh, – you know, it – we're in this, you know, a, a very different place than we used to be. It used to be you, you went to school and you learned information from books and, and maybe films and you had guest speakers. Uh, and, and now, you know, we've sort of lost control over the flow of information. And there are obviously advantages. I, I will say young people are much more aware of what's going on in the world. Um, today. because But are uh, they
0: accurately aware? Well, that's the issue. Yeah. They there's think there's so- they're aware. They speak as if they're aware, Professor. But honestly, if they're being filled with one out of every five messages completely wrong, they're not aware of much. They just assume that they know stuff that they don't know
1: at all. Well, and so that's one of the messages. So one of the things I do in my role is I, I train teachers. I train history. And one of the things we focus on is media literacy education. So for instance, social media helps students know there's a, a war going on right now in Israel. But you're right. But then there's, then the question is, who do they believe, what information do they believe, and, and how do they know? And we, it's, it's a really important part of education today, of K-12 through education, to help students be more critical consumers of the media um, that, they, that they see online and to understand that there are many sources that are not accurate. And they need to understand how people use evidence and how people have biases and how people have agendas and how they see through those and how they check on those and how they do a better job themselves at um, at talking about what's happening and being able to back it up with, with valid evidence.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, I was talking to a friend of mine over the weekend, apropos of nothing, and this woman is not Jewish, and this wasn't about anything in particular, pro or con or anything. And she said to me with wide open eyes, and she's a very educated woman, she said – I asked her about what her kids were thinking about all of this stuff. And her kids are just out of college. I think one's 23, one's 24. And she looked at me and she said, they don't get it. She said she was trying to teach her kids about history that they don't. She feels that they have absorbed a lot of wrong information, period and full stop. And I I really do think that our kids have been exposed to social media for a really long time by the time they're 23 and 24. They don't subscribe to newspapers. They're not interested in objective press or press that tries to be objective. Maybe they're not completely perfect. Nobody is. But they try. Instead, and and I think you put your finger on it, Professor, when you said that a company like Meta will only start showing you more and more of what they think you want to see. So I was talking with a friend of mine yesterday on a walk outside and she, we were talking about Matthew Perry passing away, you know, from friends. And, right. she, sa- and she said to me, you know, I, I can't take it anymore, Lisa. That's all I'm seeing. And I said to her, it's not all I'm seeing, but you must subscribe to her. You know what I mean? Like your algorithm for Meta or Twitter or whatever it is you're looking at must have recognized that maybe, you know, you like in general learning about television stars or people that started in the 90s or you loved friends. And so they right. keep feeding saying? this right. to you endlessly and endlessly. I'm seeing it once or twice. She's seeing it 20 times.
1: Right. And for, so for me, that's the New York Yankees. I get lots of stuff. OK, right, right. It's interesting because even if you uh, are so, if, you know, there are people who say don't don't dislike or comment on 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 hateful posts because if even if you write a negative comment like you're wrong this is wrong information how can you say this it's it's you know the algorithms don't care if you're if it's a positive comment or a negative comment it just knows it's getting hits and then it's more likely to promote it with other people i see Interesting. so it's a vicious cycle
0: it is a vicious cycle and it's and it's part of the problem now. This lawsuit against Meta. What is it intending, Professor Marcus, to do? To stop? What are we trying to say to that company?
1: Yeah, so, well, I, they're trying to get. I think they're trying to get money that they they could then use uh, to, to build some kind of safeguards. I I don't know what each if how it work. I don't know the, the legal details of how each state would get the money from the from the lawsuit. But I do know part of what they're trying to do is figure out how to force Meta and these other companies to put up guardrails and do a better job filtering content. I, see. So I think there's a monetary component, which I have no legal knowledge of at all. But then there's the, the bigger goal is to force these companies to do a better job at filtering out. You know, it, when um, Elon Musk took over Twitter, uh, you know, he fired all the, fa- all the people who were doing fact-checking and trying to filter out.
2: Um, I didn't know that.
1: The, yeah, filter out the, the, the hateful comments. Um, but, you know, in a, there was a, a study from the Center for Countering Digital Hate, uh, which is specifically looking at online hate. And they did their study from 2021 uh, found that 84% of racist anti-Jewish po- posts never came down or, or no one did anything about them.
0: Well, why um, is so, that? What is your uh, speculation on that? Why is that?
1: It's all about money. So the more hits that things get... Uh, the more money they can charge advertisers, and the more controversial something is, uh, the more hits it's going to get. So, it, it, my, uh, you know, I, I'm, again, I'm not, am not a business professor, uh, but it, it seems to me that it's all, it's all economics. The more hits they can get, the more they can charge advertisers, and we all know controversial headlines, controversial posts um, tend to garner, um, garner more hits. So. Uh, so yeah, therefore, have- people
0: want to see all these ugly, untrue things about Jews. They they just get a lot of eyeballs, so they leave them up.
1: I, I, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, I, it's 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 like Trump when he posts, or even you know Kanye West, um, uh, or the former Kanye West. You know, he posted anti-Semitic uh, tweets that got, and he had millions of followers and and got lots of hits on those. But it's also people who are you know who even if it's people who don't like those tweets and are unhappy about it. Uh, but are but I want to, you know, again, comment in a negative way, but then you're you're feeding the algorithm.
0: Yeah. Okay. I got it. I got it. Well, thank you, Professor Alan Marcus. Really appreciate you coming on the show. And thank you for giving us the data and insights into all this. We really appreciate well, thank, you coming on today.
1: Thank you for taking the time on your show to talk about these issues.
0: It is important. Thank you so much. Professor Alan Marcus of UConn on the Lisa Wexler Show. We'll be right back.